All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. We wrap up season one of House of the Dragon with episode 10, The Black Queen. It's the greens versus the blacks, dragon fights, and somehow even more birthing scenes. Here we go. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Going great, man. I'm good. I'm a little shook by that finale. Um, yeah, I I think so, too. I think uh, it was crazy. It was an amazing episode. It was a great season, and we're going to dive all into it. Um, it's called Episode 10, The Black Queen. Badass. So before we do that, uh, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. Also, subscribe subscribe, subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and uh, get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Yeah, thanks know. thanks for the su- subscription. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, all right, guys. So here we go. Episode 10 of House of the Dragon, the last episode of season one, The Black Queen. It starts with Princess Rainy showing up on her dragon, warn uh, Rhaenyra and company of what's happened the last episode, um, where Aegon is now sitting on the throne. Yeah, I, uh, you know, she did what we hoped she would do, which is go and warn them. Um, so she's back on Dragonstone, has a quick scene where, you know, she lets Rhaeny- or Rhaenyra know, hey, you're, you know, your dad is dead. And not only that, but it gets worse. Um, they've totally usurped you. They crowned Aim, aim or Aegon in front of thousands, and so it's all very legit over there. Um, and you're in trouble, and she didn't take it very well. Put her into premature labor. It was pretty dramatic. I mean, that's a lot to take. Yeah, in a 10 second conversation after your, your morning cup of coffee, right? You know? Too early for that shit. Yeah, this was great. I think Rainey's has been one of the most underrated characters on the show. He's been just awesome. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. How great she was. Um, and well, then, think about the think about the natural pairing of Rhaenys and Rhaenyra in terms of getting screwed out of uh, queenship or right. whatever the you know correct term is. So it's the it's a it's the perfect match, you know. And as much as we like her, I think we also like her dynamic with Corlys, who is gonna live, which is great because I think we all liked him as a character. So so he's yeah. back. Yeah, so he's on his way back at least at this point. Um, at this time, there's like pains that are happening from the preg- pregnant Rhaenyra, and we get yet another disgusting birthing scene. Ooh, where do you think this ranks among the birthing yeah. scenes so far? I mean, there's been three. Well, I think this four. is. I think this is the second grossest one. Okay. The C section. The C section, I think, is the worst one, and it's not even close. Oh, episode one, I was like, I hope I don't know if I can. Even so, watch book ended yeah. by absolutely traumatic birth episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. wow. Bookend birthing. Um, so you have that scene. She has a stillborn kind of deformed baby that is born and he wraps the baby um, and then seems to be alone in her marriage, even in this marriage again, mm. um, in her mourning her lost child here. Uh, she does just randomly call her kids in while she's like kind of in labor to like have a talk about the future with them, which was pretty. Well, wild. She's like, "Hey, don't let Damon do anything stupid. In fact, don't do anything yeah. at all. I'm the queen, I and I'm dealing was... with other shit right now. So just don't do that anything was... dumb." Yeah, the the preventing of Damon from doing anything rash was paramount to her 
you know, laborious pains yeah. that she was going through. Yeah, so we get that whole thing. And then eventually, after um, this birthing scene is done, they head to the map right away. They light up the map from underneath, which I thought was so cool. The episode started on the map, and then mm-hmm. when we actually saw it all lit up, it was... Yeah, it was, It was. Uh, you know, just black. And I, I thought it was... Um, sorry, I thought it was similar to... It was going to be similar to the, the dragon glass table i think that stannis used mm-hmm. or whatever when he was there and then yeah then they slid some they slid some burning piping hot coals underneath the table and it looked fucking awesome it, it was cool Dope. i mean that is the same table they just i don't think that um uh god who's the targaryen stannis? well whatever the next group they didn't even know it could do that i don't think oh it is the same table yeah so that was amazing it looked really cool we never saw that before in uh, game of thrones um, at this point, you kind of realize that Damon is trying to be like a wartime leader. I mean, that really is mm-hmm. who he is deep down. He's living for all of the war. He's questioning people's allegiances. He is setting up at the perimeter. He's setting up all these plans. Everything about him is like this tactical war game. Mm-hmm. And I think that you start to get this picture that all of the men in the room are kind of that same way. They're all living for this war, they feel like they have, you know, a bunch of weapons of mass destruction at their disposal and they're ready to just fly right over and melt everybody. Yeah. And, you know, you do get Rhaenyra who takes a pause. She's the only person that's kind of calm in the situation. And she says, you know, I don't want to rule over a kingdom of bone and ash. And that may be. Where have we heard that before? Right. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Daenerys said that about 15 times before a bell rang and she completely switched her entire character and killed everyone. So. Um, I, I think that you're going to get, fault. right, exactly. I think you're going to get, uh, some kind of cool juxtaposition between how Rhaenyra does things and how Danny did things. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. I think the thing with the Targaryens is, is that you get a lot of their, um, flaws repeating themselves. I feel like a lot of the things that make them great and make them powerful and the way that they understand their control over dragons also is a reason that they end up being kind of a disaster sometimes. Mm-hmm. So um, we get Eric showing up as they have a funeral ceremony for her uh, son who had died in childbirth. It's actually a daughter, I guess. Um, It was going to be her only daughter. She only has boys. So anyways. So a daughter who dies in childbirth. And at this time, Eric, Sir Eric, we'll say, is uh, the guy who showed up. He's part of the King's Guard. And he showed up uh, to bring the crown of the fallen King Viserys. So... He gives this to her. He pledges his loyalty and his allegiances to her as the the queen. And then everybody, for the most part, bends the knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of clutch from Eric with an E as opposed to Eric with an A, who I guess is going to be on the other side of things. I think that that's our Clegane was, goal of the of this series. Uh, Eric, that, at the, that was at the steps where where one of them went down the stairs and then the other guy went and grabbed Rainey's right is that when they officially like mm-hmm. split allegiances and he and then he tried to get Rainey's out yeah okay so the Eric the Eric Bowl Eric coming 20 2023 I think you're getting Eric versus Eric at some point probably not in 2023 I think they'll be set up as like these very loyal servants who are like tasked with really important business for the blacks and the greens um so but... he'll be he'll be the new Jorah yeah, I think it might friend, be a friend back. friend zoned real quick. <laughs> yeah, I I hope he's the new Jorah. Jorah is like, I mean, you so gotta have a Jorah. Just you need rugged, it. be handsome though. I mean, ruggedly handsome. Jorah killed it. 
he killed it. Um, so anyways, uh, you get this whole ceremony, everyone bends the knee and, um, who didn't bend the knee? Princess Rainey's. She's smiling, she's yeah. smirking, she's standing in the back, they're making eye contact, but she makes it clear she's not making a decision without talking to her husband, Corliss, first. We see him wake up, and Rainey's has, has been waiting six years for this conversation. <laughs> to to yeah. give him the what for? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, another great scene between those two. So he claims in this scene that they aren't going to declare for anyone. He said, you know what? Let's just go live out our days somewhere else. I'm done with this. I'm done chasing the throne. I'm done with having this ambition. It hasn't gotten me anywhere, but it's torn my family apart and it's yeah. lost my children and this and this. Got and my that. brother killed, mm-hmm. all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So then we get a ship showing up and this is Otto and some soldiers bringing terms from King Aegon, um, asking them all to pretty much uh, bend the knee and talk about or talks about how everyone will be forgiven who you know makes the right decision here. Uh, Damon shows up; he's pissed. He wants to kill Otto, and you have um, Rhaenyra flying in on her dragon, cat like pretty much uh, surrounding them on this bridge up to um, what's the- Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Up to Dragonstone on the bridge surrounds them with the soldiers and the dragon. She's, you know, honestly trying to think about what she should do here. Uh, and so she says, I'll give you my answer on what we'll do for tomorrow after Damon wanted to kill Otto right there. And there. Yeah. Yep. So once again, I feel kind of bad about myself. Drink. I felt kind of bad about myself watching the show because my thought every time was like, well, just go kill them with the dragons. Well, they should just go kill them with their dragons. Well, they should just melt those guys with their dragons. And then finally you get this whole scene with Rainey's talking to Corliss and she's like, all the men just want to burn everything down and fight. And she's the one person holding the realm together. And I was like, fuck, oh, damn it. That's me. You'd be the that's guy like, yeah, yeah, definitely, dude. Burn them up. Yeah. I was like, just fly there right now with all of your dragons and just melt yeah. them all. Eric's the small council guy that's like, I don't know what we're doing, but we should be melting shit right now <laughs> with every dragon we have. <laughs> every minute we're not melting shit, they're getting an advantage. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Broncos country, let's ride. So eventually then Corliss is up. He kind of So had... hard, hold on. I want I want to one thing I wanted to go back to the bridge for. Um let, we want to keep in mind the terms that are being proposed came across as extremely generous mm-hmm. and the exact opposite of what Otto wants to do. You can see him sort of like um reluctantly giving this over like i wanted to kill you you're so fucking lucky mm-hmm. um and then they did the page thing um the book page of whatever it was princess nymeria or queen nymeria or whomever she, that her uh allison and jesus christ uh rhaenyra were talking about early in the season maybe it was even the first episode yeah um which means rhaenyra knows that these terms are from allison not from otto and the king. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. Yep, that makes so. sense. Um, you know, didn't didn't probably do enough in the end, but the, I mean, I was like thinking, "Damn, dude, I know that they stole your birthright and all these things, but you got it made. You got Dragonstone, your kids are going to get good jobs." Um, it all <laughs> seemed like that would be the easy path, right? Yeah, you, you get free tuition. You never know if they're going to come and kill you anyways, but it sure yeah. seemed like a good deal. So, Corliss after saying, "You know what? I don't want to uh, declare for anyone. I think he, as he walks into the room, he his instincts and his 
his knowledge and his ability to lead a room and the power that he has and all of these things kind of come back to him right away. That shit felt great. Yeah, he knew it. <laughs> that was yeah. cool. And then he does see there's a moment, I think you were meant to feel this way. There's a moment where he sees his granddaughters go over to uh, her sons mm-hmm. and yep. they have big smiles on their face and they are kind of standing at the table. And I think he kind of sees like, this is the last of my family here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is this is my cause and my calling now. And so he jumps right into action, kind of poking holes in all of these kind of amateurish people's plan. Yeah. And I pledges think- his fleet. Yeah, he Which gives the huge. whole fleet to them. He has uh, uh, taken over the Stepstones. He has... Some nice exposition the there. Yeah, He has done all of this work to take over all these very important strategic places um, that are going to be really important, I'm assuming, to this entire war effort. That yeah. is until, like, Giant Dragon goes and, like, melts it. Well, I mean, they already, you know, they described, um, you know, how this owning the Stepstones there means you own the narrow sea, which means you can cut off all the supplies to King's Landing, which means you can do a pretty badass siege, right? So, um, you know, they talked about that. If, and then, of course, it comes to, okay, well, we can do that and we can patrol the, the, you know, the bay with the dragons and all these things, but we need men for a siege because you have to surround it on all sides. And they have all these people, all their houses that will be bringing them supplies if they don't cut off the land as well. So, um, and then now they, they go into, hey, well, who's sworn to us? Which houses can we count on? Um, and they think they have some big hitters, but we'll see what happens. Which is cool. Also cool, um, you know, these little production designy things that that really kind of stand out. We've talked about it with Andor. We've talked about it with other shows. <clears throat> Having those like metallic chess pieces, you know, or like uh, house pieces where they set it down on the table and it makes kind of like a kind of a cool like clanging noise. Oh yeah, they've got different different symbols for like. You know, the, the Targaryens, the Valerians, the the Greens and all that stuff. I thought that's when they were kind of setting up who's where. And also just kind of giving you, like, remember from the original show? This shit was here. These people were here. Mm-hmm. This shit's over in this area. Uh, these people own this, you know, plot of land and all that stuff. And it was kind of like just a quick, like, Cliff's Notes refresher course of where everyone kind of is in the Westerosi map. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought that was just... Very well done, just even that small part. I thought it was great, and it made me... I'm not a person who's read this book or any of these books, or I don't know any of the spoilers of this particular... I ain't read no books. (laughs) I read the Thrones books, but they don't talk about this, and I don't necessarily know what's going to happen, and I don't want to find out. I want to be surprised with every death that happens. So I'm trying to do the same thing, um, but it does make me kind of try to put the pieces together of what I know from Thrones. So I know that the Baratheons are with the... Targaryens until Robert's Rebellion, right? Um, yeah, I think so. And the Baratheons must be in a good place with the Lannisters because they make the Lannisters the hand. They make of a Robert. pact. I mean, it's a marriage pact, yeah. So they're at least, you know, together at some point. Um, the Starks, I have no real idea. I think that they've been made to be like this ultimate moral good. And so I can't imagine that they'll be like these bad, untrustworthy house, but who knows? Um, well, the Starks fought with Robert. I mean, that's that was a big part in the Game of Thrones stuff was that Ned and Robert were like side by side. Yeah, yeah they but they were also side by side in killing the the the, the planets or the Prince Rhaegar. Is it that was Prince yeah. Rhaegar that he like smashed his with the warhammer and the trident and all the jewels you know came out and 
And Rhaegar was supposed to be like, you know, the ultimate badass with his dragon helmet and shit. I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe we'll so get to see I that just, on film someday. I, I'm enjoying trying to kind of piece together all of those. Um, I have two, but every time I look it up, it's like, okay, which which Stark is this? Is it like somebody's grandpa? It's it's Cregan Stark, who's four fucking generations before Ned's born. You know, this is uh, this is 130 A.C., which means like after conquering or after conquering, whatever. Um, and Game of Thrones doesn't happen until 263, or at least Ned wasn't even born until 263, right? So it's just like great, 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 great grandpa stuff. So not even close. So it's just and like we you probably, don't even need to try to make it through line, yeah. or if the houses are really going to you know, act the same or be the same. And I think we saw that from the Baratheons, who were always kind of like you know dorks, like drinking and you know women and not very serious or stand-up guys, it seemed like, at least you know from, from Bobby. And uh, it seems like his his great 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 grandpa is the same way. So once they've kind of made this plan to go off, they decide though. Actually, the princes decide that they are the ones who should go on the backs of their dragons to offer pretty much terms from their mom, the the queen. Mm-hmm. And so they all decide this is a good idea, and they send the younger son to what is it? Where's the Baratheon place? Storm's End. Storm's End. Storm's End. He flies there. Well, the older son is going to go to Winterfell to see the Starks and to the Eyrie. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, he's going to the Vale, right? So the Eyrie first, and then he's he's going to go to the Starks after that. So I, hopefully we get to see that in two years or whatever it's going to be. That's going to be a fun uh, journey to see those places in a different time with different people. Um, some of these places are spots that we spent a lot of time in, obviously, in the Game of Thrones series. And I think like their ability to connect the two shows is where I find myself really enjoying the show. Um, not necessarily that it's like the same names or stories, but just when the stories kind of overlap, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, the world building is so great here. I, know. I feel really immersed in all of it. This was the first well, episode where they did that. And like this, the shot where um, Luke is flying in on his dragon to Storm's End. I mean, I had chills. It was the coolest shot. It was like a POV behind his head shot. It looked so great. And I'm like, the world is expanding. Let's go. Yeah. And I, and again, not to beat this to death, that's why I really enjoyed the the brief uh, geography lesson mm-hmm. when they were putting all the pieces on the table. Because I think you're exactly right, Eric. Again, it's not that Craig and Stark is important to the original Game of Thrones series. It's that you hear and see like the circle of like Winterfell, and you see the weirwood tree next to it, and and you hear the name Stark, and then immediately your lot, your brain draws those, you know, connects those dots pretty quickly. And I think that is a that is a really cool aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I love that. So we get to the Baratheons is Luke. That's his name, right? Yeah. Flies in, lands there. He's probably not really up for this job. And he sees that his cousin, Aemon's dragon, which is just massive, is already there. Yeah, Vagar is there looking just so scary in the flashing thunder and the rain. And one million times bigger. (laughs) Dude, it's like dude rode in on a tricycle and Aemon's got an 18 wheeler you know what i mean like that's it's that's the way it seems Mm -hmm. to me and that that silhouette shot of vagar with like the kind of guttural you know throat noises that the dragons make was just fucking scary as balls and terrifying and you felt really bad for luke in that moment especially because it's like it's raining you know cats and dogs and like you said he's clearly not up to the task i think i get back on and I go back and I go, you know what? <laughs> Vagar was there and it was real scary, mom. <laughs> well, 
Well, I think that was the. I don't know if he saw Vagar. Did he? Yeah, I, did, I think I don't he remember. looked up and saw Vagar, and so yeah, that's he why did. he kind of. He oh, he did. He knew okay, sort of what he was walking into, but sure enough, there's Amon with his fucking creepy, handsome Squidward face staring at everybody, like, oh, that guy's too good. Amon is maybe one of the coolest characters that I've ever seen on a TV show. He looks incredible. Every the way he acts without saying a word is incredible. Mm-hmm. And he's very imposing. I mean, he's actually pretty terrifying. He's perfect because you hate him, but you also can't see enough of him on screen. Like, I just want more of him being a complete psycho asshole um, on the show as much as possible. So in this moment, uh, Luke is not really prepared for it. He hands over a piece of paper to the Baratheon guy and it doesn't really go well. And he leaves without even really making any claim or any argument or saying anything at all. Mm-hmm. Or at least attempts to. Yeah, well, he, he said, hands he it off. Like, and then he, he, I think he tries a little bit. But, of course, Eamon just derails the whole thing and says, hey, you know, before you leave, we need to get even. I, I You take, cut your own eye out. Like, Jesus Christ. Well, and also uh, Boros Baratheon or whatever was just was a, like, they're yeah. offering... Well, it's like they're, and I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I blame him. Like, he's like, they're offering terms. What do you have? A reminder of my oath? That my dad's oath. You know? Like, what he said, too. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, exactly. That's, and so, I mean, I guess I don't blame him. But then, yeah, then just as he's about to leave, shit got real. This is all I would have said. I would have said, I'm offering you to be on the winning side. We have yeah. 14 dragons and they have three. We will be winning this fight, and you will be rewarded for joining the the winning side. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, once again, Eric, the nuclear option. We'll melt your shit to the ground. No, no not his <laughs> shit. We're gonna melt their shit. And, okay, yeah, and then yeah, be I got gotcha. you. you can't, but they're gonna all burn. Um, so I thought this scene was great. He leaves in a hurry in a crazy storm, knowing he's probably not in a good place. Uh, he's probably in some danger. He tries to get on his dragon as fast as possible. Uh, you see kind of how small his dragon is. And then you just knew he was in trouble as he was desperately flying through this storm. You were just waiting for the big, huge dragon to show up. Well, Jimbo, we we were just kind of riffing pre-pod. They, if he was going to just fly merrily back to Dragonstone, we would have just seen him taking off and then cut away to the next scene. Yeah, yeah. When but they they, stick they, with the it, camera stays like, on uh, him. Yeah, you're like, oh, and then you get the... Then the shadow of Vagar above him. And then you finally get like a one-to-one scale in comparison mm-hmm. of like what the, the exponential size difference is of these two dragons. So he escapes by going through like a narrow pass that Vagar can't... Is his name Vagar? Yep. Vagar, yep. yeah. Vagar this is can't Vagar and Arax. So Arax flies through kind of like a narrow pass. Vagar can't get through there. Um, eventually they fly up above the storm, which I thought was really, really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. When they got up above the storm, suddenly I was like, wow. And then Vagar rips him in half. Well, pieces of the dragon. Not really. There was a quick part He shows up again. And then at this point, Arax is just either pissed or whatever. And, and Luke doesn't control him well. And Eric spins around, Eric spins around and blows a little fucking worthless Mario fireball right in Vagar's face. (laughs) And then... Even then, Eamon is saying, no, no. Like, they're both just saying no. Like, the dragons are fighting. Like, obey obey me. Obey me. Obey me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Serve me. Vagar just one fucking chomps this thing. And just rider, dragon, in pieces. Yeah. This was was wild. But I think it, like, I think that their explanation of dragons 
has been great considering on the first whole eight seasons of Game of Thrones, uh, the entire eight seasons, they never really gave you much in the way of dragon lore. And I think like the understanding of the family that the dragons don't really obey them that much. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think they did. Sorry to interrupt. They did just a little bit. In the original season, remember when Danny was like, the the people would come and petition her and be like, your dragons are eating all my goats. And she's like, well, you go fucking tell them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, they did some um, of I think, that. I think right? but, but when they were being ridden, they never had any sort of like, and, and rarely, I guess it was really only uh, Danny that would ride Drogon, right? So there was never really any interaction between dragon and rider other than her. <laughs> and they always obeyed her. So yes, I... Well, I agree. I think they they did have a little bit of that. Like, it's still kind of a wild fucking animal. But this was the first time where, like you guys said, it, the riders aren't fighting anymore. The dragons are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And all Arax did was piss off Vagar, And then subsequent demolishing ensued. So this scene was kind of like the big finale. And I think that what was crazy about this whole show to me is that they had said we are going to have less sex and less violence on this show. And I don't know why I just didn't leave them because the first episode seemed so violent and kind of gross. The dude's head was getting cut in half with an ax, mm-hmm. the brutal birthing scene. I was kind of like, no, this show is going to be the same old thing, but it really wasn't. This was, as we've said many, many, many times, succession with dragons. And I found myself kind of being like, well, here's going to be a big battle. Well, here's going to be a big battle. There's going to be a big battle. I just kept saying that to myself. But it kind of broke the norms of what Game of Thrones was. And it is its own show. And I really like it. I think that they kind of crushed it. Um, I thought there was going to be some big bloody murder scene in these last couple episodes. And it just never came. It was politics. And it was family. And it was alliances. And it was, you know, people trying to make important decisions. And for whatever reason, Thrones does politics as well as any show ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, we should wrap up the fact that at the end, for what I don't know how she found out or how they found out, but at some point, uh, Damon tells uh, Rhaenyra that her son has been killed. She turns around, and I think that's kind of the birth of the Black Queen there. Because, you know, when we saw the title, the description, we we're thinking, all right, now it's her turn to go make a move. Is she going to fly in and just get pissed and, you know, fucking try to melt the. Nope, she kind of just took L after L in this episode. Um, although she did get some big news as lost. far as, like, the Valerians taking her, like, officially. That's huge, huge, huge. Um, you know, they've been fighting over, like, that family, the two sides the entire time. And for for Corliss to just be, like, very upfront. And then even, you know, Rainey's to be like, hey, not only that, I'm going to take my dragon now and go and, like, start patrolling and helping. Like, I'm helping right away. Huge. I mean, that's a that's a big dub. But, dude, she lost two kids. Um, the war has she just lost her started. dad. Yeah, she lost her dad. She lost the throne. Like everything, everything. Yeah, crazy. But we we love. I mean, almost all, almost as many L's as you could take. Yeah, she took them all. Um, I will say that it is important that they kind of set her up as a bit of an underdog because she does have so many dragons. So I think that that's a good mentality to go in with. Um, oh, and yeah, they they she lost a dragon, lost too. a son and a dragon for sure. Yeah. They still have a lot. Uh, definitely a lot more. Um, but I think that if there was a time when you're sort of like, man, they're making Alicent kind of a sympathetic character here. Like, you know, she's not the worst person in the world and, um, which side is going to be good and bad. I 
I think it might be a little bit more clear that the Blacks are going to be the people you root for here. Even though, like, you know, you may cheer for Damon, even though he choked his rain, you know, Rhaenyra out damn near. Like, these aren't good people, um, but they don't have Aemon. <laughs> and Aemon is so clearly a villain with his fucking sapphire eye and his, like, you know, he's so bad that any side that he's on uh, has to be the bad side. I The only reason I take... A slight exception to that is I think he was trying to torture Luke, not kill him. And I think right. the the, clo- the close-up shot of him after he killed him, or after Vagar killed him, was like an oh shit oh, face. Was... Like, I wasn't trying to do that on purpose. Yeah. But I, I agree that he's a unnaturally mean-spirited kid. I don't think he's a murderer. And I don't think he, re- I think that he realized he may have just started a war. Yeah. That he can't come back from. Yeah, he, and I, I, think I, I don't did. think that was intentional. I think that, that look explains how they found out. I think that he went back to Storm's End and just copped to it and said that I was flying after them. My dragon killed them. And um, that's when they send word. And, you know, he probably even said right yeah. off the bat, it was an accident. I didn't mean it to happen. So, but still, I mean, just look at the kid. We did miss one part of the episode. So you mentioned it there. Damon, out of nowhere, choked Rhaenyra. He yeah. hated that. So, he's so on a war path that, like, he's just so blinded by his anger and his readiness to, like, fight the enemy. And everyone is the enemy. And the enemy has wronged them and has wronged Rhaenyra. And she is so stupid that she can't see this. And why would she not be ready to fight? And, like, every part of his being is, like, fighting and revenge and doing, you know, your duty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he's a he's definitely a if you're not with me, you're against me person, yeah. and and I'll kill you. Yeah. So then she um, kind of teases him that he doesn't understand and know about the Song of Ice and Fire in kind of a moment where he went from being this in this power position of choking her to being in this like weak position of like not knowing what's going on, not having important information, and she kind of like has this smirk on her face like oh you don't even know what i'm talking about you didn't even get this information because you're not even you're not even on the same level as me yeah Yeah. and and then uh, he does go off and seemingly is trying to tame wild dragons that are living on dragonstone so he's trying to add to their uh fleet of wmds by grabbing a few more yeah which was a really cool scene i mean that was yeah he was a badass God, he's a cool character. The the VFX that they did. So this the, this dragon's name is Vermithor. Did I get that right, Jim? That's, yes, is that, that's is my that right. Vermithor is older than Vagar, Aemon's dragon, but he's not as big. He's the second biggest dragon, allegedly. So, but he's the oldest so, dragon. Yep. Um, in existence, dude, and he looks fuck. He looks old. He looks craggly, <laughs> yeah. and he looks cranky, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like very the cranky. Teeth were like, not straight. They were just wild. No, like. Really he's deep. probably on a soft food diet now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's got to he's got to burn everything pretty well. No, um, I think I think um, showing him do the fire thing on the ceiling was awesome. And then I th- also think with the Vagar and Arax fight where they're kind of fighting each other, seems like this dragon is going to be kind of a loose cannon. I think that maybe that's what they were going for mm-hmm. of like, and then pairing that dragon with Damon uh is sir wow. eric that's gonna, gonna be, be a bad dragon. News. i mean who's gonna fly these extra extra dragons they got they got sea smoke without a rider that's on Driftmark, and then they got Silverwing and vermithor i guess that are living on dragonstone which wild dragons live on dragonstone because it's fucking dragonstone so there's two they gotta find riders so that'll be kind they of need riders and then they gotta probably train them i don't know i don't know how can they bond non-targaryens or 
Valerians with dragons? I don't know if that's a thing. So I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. Remember, it worked with Jon Snow, but Jon Snow turned out to be a Targaryen. He's a Targaryen, yeah. So um, maybe there's got to be some sort of a, a blood connection uh, there. Maybe some guys can have more than one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of uh, as, you know, as Damon fought, as Damon is showing. You know, Danny fought with you know, three dragons, and she only rode one. You know, and the yeah, other oh, two that's would kind of just roll through and fuck shit up. But she's the mother of dragons. True. Um, so anyway, I think the the whole we we the the dragons we got in the original Game of Thrones was like kind of sparse, and then when they did it, they made it huge. I liked that this is like kind of slow rolling that in the same way that like where the dragons were getting bigger um, in the original Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but they've still got all the dragon like VFX and IP. Um, so they don't they don't necessarily have to create all this from scratch. So I think it'll be uh, it's going to be very cool. I could not be I, I could not have been more tepid on this show and I could not be more excited for season two. It finished so strong. I think that this show was as good as any season of Game of Thrones. Mm. I really think so. I think it was top notch HBO show. Like, I don't know. I, I think it exceeded my very, very high expectations. I thought it was going to be the show of the year. And I think it has been just that. I think it's as good of a show as we've seen in some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The only show I think that competes with it is actually maybe HBO's best show, which we'll talk about in an episode later this week, Succession. Maybe. I think it's I like mean, on that same I'll, level. I'll tell you what. I'll take Game of Thrones over Succession 10 times out of 10. Succession is a little bit boring to me. It could literally be a podcast. <laughs> it could just be the characters talking. That's all. You could read the script and be the same. Um, this is so good. An audio book. It, it could be an audio book. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm. I was more hesitant on this show. Like, if you guys remember, I was kind of like, no reason to think it's going to be that good. I mean, they kind of captured, you know, lightning in a bottle here with the first five seasons, and how can they recreate that? Uh, I am so impressed with the show. It got better. I think the last, you know, three of the best four or like uh, three of the last four episodes have been the best. Okay. So like the last one, 10, nine was really good. The one where uh, maybe the scene of the whole thing was when Viserys walks to the throne. I mean, how epic was that? Oh, God, that was maybe the best moment yet, but dude, it got better and better. And they left it in a place where like, you can see this, it's going to be like a whole Westerosi civil war and it's going to be incredible it's going to be huge yeah, it's going so, to have to be so big yeah i think that um when you think about it because i heard a lot of people complain about episode nine and even you guys weren't as high on nine yeah um i think that when you think about it as like a two-part finale where you yeah. got the entire greens perspective and then the entire blacks perspective mm-hmm. and you could have just mixed those two together for two episodes but i kind of liked it i thought it was fun storytelling that they did no, it was li- it was definitely linear like it went, it yeah. went like after Aegon was appointed, and then yeah. Rainey's left, and then. Yeah. But so, but but I agree. I I understand exactly what you're saying. Is that it's technically a one part finale, right? I mean, because it's it's all one side and then all the Aegon at all, right? You know, so oh. we didn't see Alicent at all. So I see what it, in your what you're kind of going for here is like this was the blacks, that was the greens, and they kept it separate, not just by yeah, they kept them separate in in this whole. You know, you got the end of the story of season one for where the greens are, and you got the end of the story for season one of where the blacks are. And the only crossover happened at um, on the bridge, the bridge of death, mm-hmm. the bridge, yeah. and I guess, I guess also with uh, at the Bracken with Aemon right. and the dragon fight. So, can I tell you? Yeah, and it was one moment of this episode that got me so excited 
when I mm-hmm. heard the name Grover Tully, I was just hyped because there's a fun fact. Did you guys know that George Martin, when he was so sick of writing 10,000 fucking character names, um, the Tullys of this time, uh, we know there's Grover. Did you guys also know that there's Oscar, Kermit, and Ernie? Those are the main four Tullys, literally named after fucking Muppets, and they're going to be characters in the show. I love that. And their their dragon's name is Big Bird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> dude. I'm psyched. It's like I wonder if they're gonna change them because George was like, dude, I just put it in there as a joke because it's just like a footnote in my in a history book, you know? Like I didn't know. Oh, that they were I gonna... suppose. Yeah, th- this wasn't. These weren't like characters that like he had developed, and it was just like I yeah. don't know, Kermit, Ernie, Bert, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, so I, I hope that they're they don't change them, and I hope that they're well. Wrong. They they changed a few names in the original series. Um, yeah. you know, like the, I forget the, the slave gal, uh, who, you know, I can't think of his, anyway, yeah. there's, a, I know there were a couple name changes because they were confusing because they were so similar yeah, they're uh, really to other characters because yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if they, if they wanted to switch it, they would have one fewer egg on, but they're, they're just going with it. So, yeah. All right, guys. So exceeded our expectations. Can't wait for season two. We might have to wait two years. But I'm hoping that we're going to get, like, maybe a Jon Snow show in between that time. Yeah, we yeah. very well might. Also confirmed by Ryan Condal, the showrunner, um, there will not be any more. Well, obviously, maybe if they replaced uh, the one gal, that'd be fine. But they're not going to recast for age anymore moving forward. There will be no more time jumps. Okay. So that's good news. Yeah. And I think I think that that would take the show, I think, you know, just because they had to fast forward pretty quickly through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, people might see that as knocking it down a peg. I didn't think it was that big of a disruption. Um, but moving forward, just to know that we're going to get Emma Darcy and, and all of these characters back. Can't wait. Yep. Fantastic. I agree. I think looking back, I thought that the casting was the best part of this show. And I thought that the characters who did change were so perfect. Like, I, it didn't disorient me even for a second. Mm-hmm. I just really felt like they grew up and I felt like the level of acting was so incredible, especially with Alicent and Rhaenyra. Their massive roles as their young characters and then their older characters was so masterfully done that I I just, you know, I, I couldn't even believe it. It didn't take me out of it for a second. Yeah, it was really, really well done. The, the show knows how to cast. All right, guys. So that's it for our 10-episode Thrones cast. So we will uh, be back to just our standard two episodes a week after this, but we do have two more episodes for this week. So tune in to our sports cast and our screencast uh, the rest of this week. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this uh, thing that we hadn't done in quite some time. Our Thrones cast had been gone for years. It's back and I think better than ever. It was pretty awesome. You guys, I absolutely loved it. It does make these recording sessions go a little late for a Monday night, uh, but always worth it because it's too much fun to talk with you guys. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all the time we have. Thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Nord East podcast. Podcast.